We turn once more to Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. This morning, we read and studied from verse 1 through 9. Well, this evening, we'll continue on and we will read verse 10 through the end of the chapter in verse 17. We'll be reading Amos 7, 10 through 17. And the song, the psalm which we just uh, sang has much to do with the passage that we'll be studying from this evening because the passage we're studying from this evening speaks in very clear terms about the power of the Word of God and exactly what it does in the lives of those who hear it. Both in a positive sense and in a negative sense. Positively in those who believe and negatively in those who reject God's Word. So once again, we will be reading from verse 10 through 17 of Amos chapter 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words, for thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there. But never prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Congregation, Lord, we come before you this evening asking that You would cause us to hear Your Word, to recognize its value, and as we are convicted by it, not to turn away from it, but to with a whole heart accept it, rejoice in it, treasure it, and cherish it. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does God's Word do? What does God's Word do? It's a simple enough question, but I think if you were to begin asking around, you would find quite the variety of responses. In fact, if you were to ask most people on the street today, you would find that the general answer to this question is not much. They would say, the Bible doesn't do much. 
The Word of God, in fact, is rarely taken seriously today. Many of those whom you ask would say that the Word of God is passé, that it's a thing of the past, that it's gone out of style. It was maybe the words of some wise man at some point, but at this point, it's kind of fallen out of favor. We've moved past it. We no longer need it. And if you were to turn from the people on the street to the people in the church in the United States, or at least rather the visible church, you would find much the same response. They may say, well, the Word of God is important. The congregation, when you look at churches around the United States, and in fact around the West today, in many places the, the Word of God is set aside. Churches will host dramas. They will spend quite a bit of money on fog machines. The pastor will zip line onto the stage. He'll spend 20 minutes giving a series of anecdotes about his life, give some major life lesson, once or twice he'll reference the Word of God, and that'll be the end of it. The Word of God, by and large, when we ask, or when someone asks, what does the Word of God do? Well, by and large, people respond, not much. They set aside God's Word. They make it out to be unimportant. Sermons grow shorter. Reading of the Word grows shorter. Singing becomes far less and less biblical. And so while churches around the West may play loud music or have all sorts of gimmicks, they've really set aside God's Word. Congregation, the passage before us tonight, Amos was in this exact scenario. This is what Amos faced. He faced a people who heard God's Word, turned away from it, rejected it, made it out to be unimportant. He faced the people who claimed to be God's people, who were descended from Father Abraham, after all. They might have sung, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. But the fact of the matter is, all of their spirituality, all of their worship, was only skin deep. They were more concerned with making a living and with their false spirituality than they were with actually listening to the Word of God. But in this passage, brothers and sisters, God shows us a powerful and a terrible truth. Despite those who think little of Scripture, God's Word demands serious attention, serious listening, and serious consideration. Those who do not treat it with the respect it deserves will find themselves destroyed. But those who listen carefully to the Word of God will find themselves changed by it. Come with me this evening then, congregation, and let's examine this passage for a few brief moments to understand what exactly it is that the Word of God does. The first thing this passage teaches us, congregation, the first thing we need to examine is that God's Word 
confronts the unbeliever. God's Word confronts the unbeliever. If you were to look at the context of this passage, you would find, as we saw briefly this morning, that up to this point in the book of Amos, Amos has been faithfully preaching God's Word. The things Amos has had to preach were not easy matters to preach. He had to speak to them in serious tones. And he had to say, essentially, repent or perish. He has commanded them time and time again to repent. He has warned them about their sin. He has told them that destruction is coming. Some of the darkest prophecies in all of Scripture, some of the most uh, terrifying things to read in all of Scripture, come from the book of Amos. And Amos has been going about faithfully preaching God's Word to the people of Israel for now close to two years. In fact, he's done more than this. He has pleaded with them. In Amos chapter 5, God has declared to the people more than once, seek Me and live. But don't go to Bethel. Don't go to Gilgal. Don't go to all these false places of worship. And beyond pleading, He has in fact interceded for them as we've seen this morning with the first half of this chapter. So Amos has been a faithful preacher of God's Word. God's Word has been faithfully preached now for close to two years. And in all that time, it seems as though he'd gained very little respect and very little interest. Far from it, the people of Israel absolutely despised his preaching. The people of Israel were at this time very rich and very outwardly spiritual. They were at the strongest that Israel had ever been up to this point. Their king, Jeroboam, was a man who enlarged their borders, who made them all rich. More than that, there were a people who claimed to be very spiritual. They would go to Bethel, the place where uh, Jacob first was in the presence or saw the presence of God. They would go to Gilgal, where the people of Israel first crossed over into the Holy Land. They would even go to, down to Beersheba, far in the south, in order to worship. But despite that, their worship was a sham. And in all that they did, they believed that God was happy with them, that He couldn't be angry with them. So you can imagine that when Amos began to preach, repent or perish, when he began to go from place to place and say, unless you come to Christ, there is no forgiveness. Unless you leave behind your sin, there is no uh, escaping the wrath of God. Well, when he began to preach that, you can imagine that people wouldn't be happy. And especially those who are part of these false worship centers would be looking for a way to trip Amos up. Would be looking for a way to make Amos pay for what he'd been saying. And that's what we have in this passage here. 
When we get to verse 10, a priest at Bethel named Amaziah, likely the high priest of Bethel, finds an opening, a way to trip Amos up, and he takes it. Look at verse 10 through 13 with me. And Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, said, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to hear, bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Notice, friends, the way that this false priest responds to God's Word. Upon hearing God's Word, he doesn't come before the Lord in repentance. He doesn't come before the Lord uh, looking for forgiveness from his sin. He doesn't come before the Lord uh, saddened by the fact that he has been a false priest all this time. No. When he hears the word of the Lord, he begins to make charges against Amos and against Amos' preaching. When he writes a letter to Jeroboam, he charges Amos of being dangerous to the nation and to the king himself. In verse 10 and 11, he claims that Amos is conspiring against the king. I'm sure you understand, back in Amos' day, and even in many ways in our day, that is a crime punishable by death. That's treason. Amaziah is not seeking simply for Amos to go away. He wants Amos dead. And after he writes this letter, he musters up all the authority he has by virtue of his false office, and he commands Amos to leave Israel to stop preaching. He charges Amos of preaching simply because he wants the money. He says, go to Judah and eat bread there. He's telling Amos, Amos, I know you're, you're just here for the food, for the money to get a living. To make matters worse, congregation, Amaziah not only made false charges against Amos himself, but he made false charges against God's Word. Amaziah twisted God's Word. He cuts out everything that Amos has said. He ignores the fact that Amos is pleading for them to repent. He ignores the fact that Amos, but a few verses earlier, has delayed the wrath of God against them. He takes the smallest phrase from Amos' preaching and he blows it out of proportion. In verse 9, Amos says, as we saw this morning, the high places of Isaac shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. But Amaziah says, not God is punishing you. But Amaziah says, Amos has conspired. And furthermore, he twists God's word. He doesn't say that the house of Jeroboam will fall. He says that 
that, that Jeroboam himself will fall. And Isaiah is seeking to misrepresent God's Word. He wants to paint Amos as if he's an enemy of the people of Israel. Someone who's only there to stir up chaos. And beyond this, Amaziah downplays God's Word. He denies its divine origin. He says in verse 11, Thus Amos has said. Again, mockingly, self-righteously, he says, Flee, you seer. He's not saying that seriously. Mocking Amos. Mocking the Word of God. Making it out to be simply the words of a false prophet. In fact, Amaziah is saying, the Word of God is not the Word of God at all. You're just looking for a way to make money. Do Amaziah's tactics sound familiar to you at all, congregation? Do they sound like something you may see today? They certainly should. Because they're the same tactics that the unbelievers, even today, take against the faithful preaching of God's Word. Those who are dead in their sins and trespasses don't want to hear the Gospel faithfully preached. When it comes against them, it convicts them. It reminds them of their sin. It reminds them of the fact that they are false worshippers, just as this Amaziah was. And so they search for ways to discredit God's Word. They're okay with a pluralistic message. They're happy to hear God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But they never want to hear repent or perish. They never want to change, to leave behind their sin. The unbeliever seeks, therefore, to discredit God's Word. When confronted with God's Word, the unbeliever hears repent or perish. And that's when there are problems. And so like Amaziah, they look to attack God's messengers and especially to attack God's Word. In order to silence God's Word, there are those who say that the Word of God is too dangerous to the state. They claim that the Christian church is composed of dangerous fringe extremists. They believe crazy things. They believe what's actually written here. They claim that God's Word will bring down the state. And so they seek help from the state to destroy the church. Or, if they can't get that to stick, they'll look at the leaders of the church. They'll claim that faithful pastors are only in it for the money. That the pastor is only pretending to believe what's in the Bible. That the preacher is only saying what he's saying in order to get paid. They seek to discredit God's messengers. And they, like Amaziah, likewise twist God's Word. They'll take God's Word out of context. They'll blow different verses out of proportion. They'll ignore what God says only to look for the things that seem most damaging and try and act as if that's the whole of what God's message is. Likewise, they dismiss God's Word as if it's nothing important. They'll say that the Bible is just the ideas of people from a few thousand years ago They'll say that God's Word is 
simply the ideas of some wise people. It was an important book for its time, but we've moved beyond that. It's outdated and it's primitive. Congregation, when you meet with those who disparage God's Word, do not be surprised. When you meet with those who twist God's Word, don't be astounded at that fact. When you meet with those who seek to make the Bible into only a book, look beyond their words. The Word of God convicts those who hear it. The unbeliever does not want to hear God's Word. They realize that it will make them change, that they will have to change if they are to truly listen. So they seek to make it less. Congregation, how horrible it is that there are those in this world who would make God's Word out to be less than it is. And yet, how horrible it is that there are so many who look at God's Word and who see nothing. And how horrible it is that God's Word is ignored today. Congregation, we shouldn't be surprised at it. If not for the grace of God, we would be doing the same thing. God's Word convicts the people who hear it. It works on the hearts of those who read. And so when the unbeliever is confronted with God's Word, he doesn't want to listen. He wishes to reject God's Word because it means that he no longer has to be, or he doesn't have to be changed by it. But in the second place congregation, for the believer, God's Word changes the believer. God's Word changes the believer. Amos has been warned by the priest of Bethel to flee. Some of the most important people in all of Israel want him dead. The high priest of Bethel, likely at this point the king of Israel, we don't know for sure, but quite possibly him, and certainly many of the richest and most important people of Israel hate him, hate the Word of God, and wish to see him dead or gone. How do you think Amos would react in this situation? Do you think that he would step aside? Do you think he would tell Amaziah, I'm so sorry, I'm going to leave now, you continue with what you're doing? Well, no, of course not. Amos doesn't back down. He doesn't turn away from this man who is in a high position. He doesn't turn away from preaching the Word of God. Not at all. He's not afraid of Amaziah's threats. Look what he says in verse 14-15 through 15 when he responds to the charges of Amaziah. He says, Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to My people Israel. Congregation, in the first place, Amos tells Amaziah, 
he was not originally a prophet. He says in verse 14, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son. The way Amos says these words is emphatic. Amos is saying, I had no reason to pick up prophecy. This isn't some hobby of mine. This isn't something I'm doing for pay. This isn't something I was trained to do. I had no reason to go into this. In these days, prophets often went through some form of training. We see that in the books of First and Second Samuel and in First and Second Kings. Elijah trained Elisha. Elisha trained a whole school of prophets. And these prophets were called the sons of the prophets. They were people who were essentially training in order to be prophets of God's Word. And Amos here says, I was no prophet. I was no prophet's son. It isn't as if Amos was trained to preach. It's not like Amos is taking up the family profession. It's not something he's been trained to do. So when Amaziah claims that Amos is just in it for the money, Amos says, hold on a second. This wasn't my plan. This isn't what I wanted to do. Far from being a prophet. Amos was a farmer and a tender of figs. He would take care of sheep and he would take care of different trees. He didn't need food. He had plenty of food where he was. He had not, not, uh, not to look for a place to work to get money or to get food. He had not one occupation, but two. There was absolutely no earthly reason why Amos would want to travel from Tekoa in the south where he was from, up north, and preach against these people. He had no earthly reason to come before these people, these powerful people who now had it out for him, and to say, repent or perish. He had no earthly reason for any of this. But Amos tells Amaziah that God took him. God took him from shepherding the flock. He made him a prophet. In verse 15, it says, The Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people, Israel. It's not as if Amos up and decided one day to become a prophet. No. The eternal God had said to him, You're a shepherd? Well, now you're going to shepherd my people. Go to Israel and preach. Now I ask you, congregation, what made Amos change? Did Amos change because he wanted to go into the prophecy business? Did Amos change because he thought it was a better profession for him? No. Amos changed because of the Word of the Lord came to him shook him up, said, go to my people, preach to them. Give my word to a perishing people. Maybe they will relent. Amos did not go from these humble beginnings because he wanted to be a prophet. 
He went from these humble beginnings because the Word of God changed him. God's command took him and shook him and prepared him to go. God said, you're a shepherd, now you will shepherd my people Israel. God's Word said, Amos, go to my people and preach to them. And because of this, because of Amos' hearing of the Word of the Lord, he wasn't afraid of Amaziah. How could he be? God's Word had changed Amos. God's Word had made Amos fear God. When he heard the command of the Lord, he learned to fear God more than he feared man. Amos says in chapter 3 of this book, a lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who will not prophesy? Amos's fear of the Lord took away the fear of man. Put yourself in Amos's place, congregation. If the sovereign God of the universe had said unto you, do this, and some priest, some false priest, some mosquito had said, don't preach God's Word, would you listen to a false priest? Of course not. Beyond this, God's Word made Amos not only fear God, God's Word changed Amos, God's Word made Amos love God. In preaching God's Word, he saw God's beauty. He saw how God called out every day to a rebellious generation. He saw how God took pity on the people of Israel. How God held back His wrath for the sake of those who might repent. And so when Amaziah told him not to prophesy, Amos knew that he could not stop preaching. Beyond that, Amos, when he heard God's Word, God's Word made Amos able to preach. Amos went from a shepherd to a prophet. He knew that God's commands, when God commands you to do something, He will make you able to do it. That where He commands, there He disposes through Christ. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, congregation, God's Word changes the believer. The same things that happens to Amos, now listen to me very carefully, the same things that happen to Amos happen to every man, woman, and child that hears the Word of the Lord that receives it with faith. Does this mean that every person is destined to become a prophet? Certainly not. That was a task given to specific people in the Old and New Testaments. Does this mean that every person is going to become a preacher of God's Word in a specific sense? No, of course not. Not everyone is called to stand behind the pulpit. But what it does mean is that God's Word, if you listen to God's Word, if you receive it, if you are by true faith a follower of Christ Jesus, the Word, then you will be changed. You'll learn, first of all, like Amos, to fear God. Can you fear man when you fear God? 
One pastor, a close friend of mine, put it this way. He said, The fear of the Lord is when God's frown is your greatest dread and God's smile your greatest joy. So congregation, examine your hearts. When you hear the word of the Lord, do you look for the smile of God? Or do you look for man's approval? And do you love God? Because the word of God does make those who hear it and those who listen to love Him. If we truly love God, then certainly we'll love to hear His Word. And to those, though perhaps not in an official sense, to preach to those who are lost. Again, congregation, if you fear God as Amos did, if you love God as Amos did, you'll find that instead of fearing the word of the excuse me, instead of fearing the hatred of the world, you will look to preach the truth, to live the truth no matter what the world says. The congregation, there's yet one more thing that God's Word does in this passage. And it is a very sad thing, but it's something that we need to know. That Amos, or rather God, by the mouth of Amos, shows us that God's Word condemns the wicked. God's Word condemns the wicked, those who refuse to repent. When Amaziah ridiculed God's Word, and more importantly, when he sought to attack Amos because of what God said, he thought little of God's Word. He treated it as if it was something of little importance. But here, Amaziah, excuse me, God Himself responds to Amaziah's actions. He says in verse 15, Excuse me, 16 through 17. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel. Do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. Congregation, Amaziah had twisted God's Word. He had made false claims against God's Word. He had heard the Word of the Lord and had rejected it. He had refused to repent after hearing the commands God's Word made on his life. He was so focused on protecting his own living as a false priest that he denied the authority of God. Because of this, God declares that everything Amaziah had was to be destroyed. His wife forced into prostitution. His children dead by the sword. His land given away. He himself would go into exile. The entire nation of Israel would go away. God says, you deny my word. Then I will give you a word. You are concerned about your prosperity. I will destroy your prosperity. Pay close attention to this fact. Every one of you here this evening, God's Word is dangerous to those who refuse to listen to it. God's Word is dangerous to those who refuse to repent. To those who refuse to allow God's Word to change them. Look at Amaziah here in this passage. 
He sought to shut up God's Word. To put it away. All He accomplished was making God's Word more pointed towards Him. All He accomplished was bringing God's Word to bear on His own life in condemnation. So brothers and sisters, in conclusion, I turn briefly and I address the unbeliever and the believer separately. To those of you who are unbelievers here tonight, I certainly don't know your hearts, but God does. Perhaps you think, like Amaziah, that this Word is not God's Word. Perhaps you think the Bible is just something wise. Perhaps you're here for a variety of reasons, because you like the company, or because you feel like you enjoy the anecdotes that you hear from the pulpit, or because you want to have a do-it-yourself sort of life. Perhaps when hearing God's Word, you're annoyed at how Scripture commands you to repent from your sin. Well, then know this, unbeliever. God takes His Word seriously. His Word demands your respect. He will condemn all those who treat it as if it's unimportant. Do you not read this passage and tremble, unbeliever? God's Word is a serious thing. Don't be like Amaziah here, afraid for that if you hear God's Word and if you listen, you'll have to change. Don't listen to hear to the passage and be afraid that if you receive it, well, you'll have to leave behind your sinful life. Come to Christ. Listen to His Word. The Word which speaks about Him. Repent of your sin. Because to those who refuse to listen to God's Word, who refuse to come to Christ, there is no forgiveness. Don't be like Amaziah here. Fear rather God who commands you to listen. But believers, take comfort in this. God will defend His Word and His people. He does not need His Word to be defended, though we certainly should defend His Word. God's Word is powerful. God will condemn those who refuse to listen. We need not attack those who attack God's Word. Because God will take care of His Word. God will defend His Word. And God will furthermore defend His people. If you are truly in Jesus Christ, if you listen to the Word of God, if you accept it, if you cherish it, if you preach it to those around you, you need not worry what man can do to you. The Word of God will be upheld. God will take care of His own. Amen.